Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series. This is aimed for you aspiring leaders, whatever level you're at, whether you're beginning out in your careers as managers and leaders, whether you're in middle ranking roles, or whether you're CEOs and chairman of boards, there's always something we can all learn. And it's particularly the skills, stories, tips and techniques that you can pass on to those you lead and your teams. Hello, I'm Jonathan Bowman-Perks and welcome to my favourite time of the week. And I am really delighted uh, on the Inspiring Leadership series to have Dr. Marta Ra. And Marta is the CEO of the Paracelsus Recovery Clinic, which does amazing work in Switzerland. We're going to hear about that later on. She's also a TEDx speaker, which I have great admiration for anybody who's been a TEDx speaker. Uh, she founded two years ago the uh, Women in Sustainable Finance, which has over 800 members, and they're already wishing to have chapters in other places like New York and London. She's a social entrepreneur. She's an amazing lady. And welcome, Marta, to the series. Thank you very much, Jonathan. It's such an honor to be on your show today. Well, it's great. Great pleasure. And what a life journey you've had already. And let's, let's perhaps go... Um, well, let's start now what you're doing. Tell us a bit more about what you're doing. I, I, I skimmed across the surface of what you're doing now. And then let's jump all the way back to the beginning when you were a little girl, age 10, when you began to work out your life purpose back then. So, yeah, <laughs> tell us a bit more. Sure, sure. So I am the CEO of Paracelsus Recovery. It's a mental health and addiction clinic uh, based here in Zurich. Um, we are very, very unique uh, because we treat basically one client at a time. We surround one individual with a team with up to 15 people focusing on the needs of this one particular person. And the demographics that we are focused on is very unique. It's a minority, obviously. Uh, we are working with CEOs, entrepreneurs, with royalty, with uh, film stars, with singers who obviously in their home countries cannot go to a traditional clinic to seek help, but come to Switzerland to get support. And we provide a very individual and bespoke program. Fascinating, fascinating. And also as well as that, you've done some very interesting things in the last few years. Tell us about a bit of the other things you're doing at the moment. Well, before Paracelsus Recovery, my career was actually within the financial industry. I was a banker before I was working in wealth management. I was a client advisor. And um, yeah, uh, during my time in banking, I got to know that I uh, very much care about how money is invested. And it's not only about growth oriented investing, but purpose oriented investing. And also the clients that I was advising were requesting that more and more. And that's why I found that uh, during my time in banking, a network, an international network called Women in Sustainable Finance, where we put together um, the advisors, the, the investors and the clients who then can meet and match and do purposeful, meaningful investments together. Fantastic. And then take us back to when you were 10 and you began to work out what it was you wanted to do in your life. Tell us a bit more about that. Well, uh, as a young girl, I uh, very soon knew that I wanted to be a decision maker. At that time, I was not aware that there is a CEO or a boss of a company. I wanted to take decisions. So very early in my, in my childhood, I said, okay, this is my job, that this is what I want to become. Not a ballerina, not an astronaut, but a decision maker. And I want to be a good decision maker. So I want to help the world and save the planet as a girl of age 10. 
And during my uh, youth and teenager years, I then became an activist, a peaceful activist of Greenpeace and WWF. I was protesting against fur and mass animal farms, etc., etc. And I said, whatever I will do later with my job, I want to contribute positively to this planet. And so um, I was uh, considering becoming a diplomat, but then studying international relations then was not very promising to get a job uh, at that time. And I studied economics and finance, uh, did a lot of internships at NGOs um, and uh, wanted to work for the United Nations initially. Unfortunately, I only got jobs in banks. And at that time, I really disliked the banks, in particular the bankers, because in my opinion, as a student, I thought the bankers are bad people. Still, I took my first job. Um, a German bank hired me and took me to Switzerland. And I started there my career in wealth management. And over the years, uh, working with individuals, I developed this passion for sustainability and for purpose that whatever you do, be it uh, investing or is it fashion or regardless of which industry a person is, if you have your purpose and you know for what you're doing, it doesn't matter where you are. And so this is how I developed my, my interest for sustainable finance. And um, people often ask me, well, how can you change your career from being a banker to a CEO of a clinic? Well, for me, it absolutely makes sense. Um, while I was um, uh, a banker, I did a training. I'm a, a, a trained coach. So I was always interested in the psyche of the human. And I always say there is no sustainability without mental health and there is no mental health without sustainability. So now I have the best job in this world on the planet where I can combine both. Brilliant. No, it's, it sounds like you really are living what I call living your life on purpose rather than off purpose. Absolutely. And, and I think many listening to this and you know, it'd be listened in 50 countries by thousands of people will go, yeah, I really want to I really want to live my life on purpose. And I'm not sure what that purpose is. So well done for finding your purpose uh, so early in your life and, and doing that. And when you look back over the years, who sort of influenced you a lot? Who, who were the role models to? Was it your parents? Were it teachers who, who gave you that sense of purpose and that confidence as a female leader? So in my early years, my parents were my role models, my parents uh, who are totally the opposite of each other. My mother is a very loving, a very warm, a giving person. She's a little bit like Mother Teresa. So this is where I got the compassion and the love. And my father is very determined and very goal oriented. He never gives up. And this is where I got my stamina from. Mm -hmm. So those were my two role models as a child. And as I grew older during um, my student times, actually, Christine Lagarde was my idol. And oh, my role yeah. idol. Yes, she was a very, for me, she incorporated everything that I aspire to be. She's a woman. She is also uh, educated. She made a career. And uh, I thought, OK, this is how I want to be one day. And have you met her? Do you know her? No, unfortunately not. I would really love to meet her and tell her that she well, was my own model. We need, to, we need to get her on the series and you need to meet her. Well, that's, that's oh, a, together we will work on that. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure someone listening knows her and can introduce her to us. 
Um, so thinking about your life journey, what would you pick out both in work and then perhaps in your personal life, your proudest moments and, and your darkest moments and what you learned from both? Well, my darkest moments um, from a professional side now, um, I'm referring to my time as a CEO at Paracelsus Recovery, were situations where I meet our client for the first time and I see in what kind of sad and devastated state the person is who comes totally vulnerable to us and is about to break down or, or is breaking down, is having problems with substance abuse, et cetera, et cetera, having mental health problems. And those situations, since we really focus on one individual, we, be, we get very close to the client. And seeing people like that obviously um, touches me a lot. And I go home and think about this individual, what can we do best? What can we do the next day to support? And the darkest moment then comes with the nicest moment is when this individual leaves us after four weeks, eight weeks, six months. And to see how the person has grown, has healed, has a totally different radiation, um, found purpose in life, has found meaning, has stopped taking substances. This is the happiest moment for me. And this is what keeps me going. Yeah, that's fantastic. And how long have you been the CEO at the Paracelsus Clinic? I've been the CEO for one year now. Oh, great. Well, look, congratulations. It must be almost your anniversary. And long may that last. Um, Thank you. And then, it, it, so that's work, because um, we're all have only the strong can be vulnerable. What about personal life? What, what has been a dark moment, and you've learned a lot from that, and what's been a happy moment for you? Well, I, I would say... Um, Dark moments for me were situations while I was in the financial industry, where I where where I was often told by male colleagues um, that I can't do something. Um, I um, wrote a PhD while I was working full time uh, in banking, and often I was the most educated person in the room. But I often had to prove twice as much myself as my male colleagues that were younger than me. So. By saying that I am not putting myself as the victim, not at all. Those were just sad moments in my life because I grew up uh, with a father who said, you can do anything you want. Um, the difference between you and the boys is that you might not have the physical strength, but the rest, you can do the same. And so for me, this was uh, at the beginning of my career, disappointing moments when to see that uh, people really differentiate just by the gender. And this is still happening today. But again, uh, I think um, it's about what you do about it and how you can influence the future and what you can change about it. So I'm, I don't feel as a victim, I appreciate those experiences because I've learned most in my life from the hard times. Yeah. I always say you can only enjoy the sunshine when you know how it is when it rains. And I had a lot of rain in my life, but I learned the most during the rain times and the storms. Yeah. And so um, happy moments, referring back to the banking industry, were then when I met male banking colleagues who said, look, Marta, don't listen to them. You, you can do anything and just ignore them. Don't look on the side, don't listen to the side noise left and right, just do your thing and you will find your way. Those are the sunshine moments then during those times. That's, that's, a, that's a great one. And if you met your 10-year-old self 
now with the experience and the battle scars and the highs and lows that you've had and the people you've had through helped through the Paracelsus Recovery Clinic, what bit of one bit of advice would you give to your young self about putting everything in perspective and what to keep an eye on? What what bit of wisdom would you give yourself? I would say, don't listen to the noise. If you can hear what is inside of you, the outside noise doesn't matter. Yeah, that's, I love that one. Don't listen to the outside noise. I'm writing that down because I think it's such a good bit of advice. So let's go around the uh, inspiring leadership compass, which means so much to us and the research that we've done about what makes high-performing individuals, leaders in life. Um, firstly, moral uh, quotient, MQ. Um, what moral issues and integrity do you aspire to live by? And what did you learn when you've let it slip? Because we all do. We, we never, we're never perfect. We're always work in progress. But what, what are the, the values you live by or aspire to live by and what did you learn when they slipped? Mm. Obviously, um, we're speaking now possibly about mistakes. I've done a lot of mistakes in my life. And um, at the beginning of my career and when I was younger, I was punishing myself. And I think it's really important also to forgive yourself because only once you forgive yourself, you can grow from the mistake. Um, I always say certain mistakes reoccur and come back. Uh, life sends you back the lesson if you have not taken it. And um, I always say when there is a situation that distresses a person, try to observe it as the clouds. And when you look at the clouds, they pass by eventually. And this helps me when I'm in a situation where I did a mistake or where I'm in distress, I'm trying to be the observer and not the participant. So obviously the morals that I'm trying to live by is uh, be a good human, be truthful, be myself, be honest, treat others uh, as I would like to be treated myself. So very basic, very simple traits that I'm, that I'm looking for. And um, I'm trying to be the best human as I can every day when I wake up. Yeah, I, I, lo I love those. And, and I find the um, treat others as you'd like to be treated. Someone once said to me, also remember to treat them as they would like to be treated because they may not want to be treated the way you want to be treated. So, so really listening to other people, yes. and finding out what makes them tick, I find very useful. Moving on to the next one, PQ, the second one, meaning and purpose is something that's very important to you. Um, uh, why do you do what you do? And what's your dharma, your, your life, as the Hindus would talk about, your, your life calling, your vocation? Um, tell us a bit more about that. So here I, I would like to give a combined answer. Um, I see the same topic popping up at Paracelsus Recovery and, uh, the, uh, and the clients, as well as women in sustainable finance. I would like to say that... Um, Humanity is now in a purpose crisis. Um, the individuals who come to Paracelsus Recovery, although they are highly successful, might be very wealthy, um, have everything that anybody could wish for, they're often missing purpose. And so um, having purpose in regardless what you do is really key and is important for happiness. And if you have a purpose, 
you will be very successful in whatever you do and you will be happy. So finding that purpose is really important and key also for the mental health of a person. Mm. And I think a lot of people are lacking that purpose or have not found their purpose yet. Yeah. Yeah. That it, many things was health, well-being, um, relationships, but, but, if you have a clear sense of purpose and you're living your life on purpose, then your mental health is nearly always very good. But without that, you're a rudderless ship drifting across the ocean. Don't know where you're going. Any, any wind will blow you there. Um, that's a, a great one. Thank you uh, for that, Marta. What about health quotient? A big thing of the clinic. How do you keep yourself health, uh, yourself personally healthy, uh, both physically and particularly mentally in these challenging times? And, and when you let yourself slip on either the mental or the physical health and well-being, how do you pick yourself back up? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So one uh, thing that I'm very thankful for that I got introduced to uh, seven years ago is uh, triathlon. I'm a, tri I'm a hobby triathlete. Me too. Me too. <laughs> so... Um, triathlon is for me a very philosophical sport actually and triathlon has taught me endurance stamina and persistence and when I do I do only one once a year a race and this is where I do my annual meditation so um, here in Switzerland people think about their plans and wishes or how they want to change in the next year on the 31st of December so what, what do I want to do differently? Well, I do that while I do my triathlon. It's a big meditation for me when I do my, my race. So this is how I keep healthy. Actually, I have my racing bike just next to me, um, which is uh, during winter time here in, in my room. Um, but also, um, obviously, uh, for a physical uh, mind, we need a, for a healthy mind, we need a healthy body. So with sports, I'm trying to keep my body healthy, but the healthy mind I'm uh, nurturing with meditation. I'm also a trained yoga teacher, a Hatha yoga teacher. So I meditate. I try to meditate every morning. Um, and sometimes it's only two minutes where I say to myself what I'm thankful for, what I appreciate. And maybe it's just, yeah, having a roof above my head, having clothes, having something to eat. This grounds me every day. Um, yeah, I'm something in between vegan and vegetarian. <laughs> so I try also to eat healthy. Uh, but yes, of course, I also have sometimes moments of weakness, um, moments of sadness. Um, and, um, and the metaphor and example that I just said uh, a few moments ago, when I'm in a moment of sadness, I try to observe myself what is going on with with me at this moment and try try to let the clouds pass by yes um, and embrace them and appreciate them so it's really important also to allow yourself those kind of moments of sadness but in particular right now in this time of uh, pandemic it's okay not to be good all the time obviously yeah. well it's lovely to hear that because i i resonate with so much what you say so as a also someone who does a triathlon once a year and I began, I began when I was 52. And uh, this year has been the only year where I haven't been able to, because it got cancelled, of course. But I've, just done, I've done a lot of training within myself. So I relate to that. And in fact, that metaphor, when people say, you know, 
at the moment, life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. I go, no, it's not a marathon, it's a triathlon. And that was a bit of advice that came from the senior vice president at Walmart, um, James Cameron, and mm -hmm. uh, who we interviewed uh, head of um, leadership development for Walmart, lots of people there needing development. Uh, and he said, you know, you're in the swim and you're treading water waiting for the start of the pandemic. And then you swim off and everybody swims over you and the water's mucky and you can't see very far and your goggles come off and fill with water. And then you sort yourself out and tread water and, and, you, and you go off and you go round the boy, but they don't tell you how many times round the boy it's going to be in life. So you keep going round it. You go, when's this over? And then, then they go, go for, the, go for this, the transition. So you then climb out onto the side and, and you try and do the transition. But life, the transitions, there's a book called Life is in the Transitions. You go, It'll be after the transition my life starts. No, no, no. Your life is in the transition. That's when the most interesting, the high, the low, the divorce, the you know, drink problems, whatever it might be, bankruptcy or you know, difficult financial times, it's in that moment you learn a lot. And then you're onto the cycle, as you know, and you don't know how many times you're going to go around the track until they say, now transition again and the run. And how long's the run? I don't know. How many times are you going to go around this route? I don't know. You might do it 10 times. So I think that analogy for me works really well. Can you relate to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the best example. I will memorize that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good. And, and then uh, Hatha Yoga. Yeah, love, love yoga. Um, my, my wife and I went to um, uh, Sri Lanka and I was in a very basic sort of surf yoga center, which is really good down on the south of the island, which I recommend. And every morning I'd be sitting up on the roof for an hour doing yoga with the instructor. And it was just idyllic because you saw the just mm. the, the basic surf and, and the waves and things. And then gratitude. I, I do resonate with that. And, and I'm finding even though times are tough um, with the pandemic and being here at home and, you know, the, the income isn't what it used to be because a lot of firms are not investing in their leaders at the time. They should be investing in the leaders, but they choose to save their money for other projects rather than for their people, which is rather worrying that that's what they're focusing on. But anyway, they, they make that call not sustainable, uh, I will quickly add. Um, and it's, it's in that time that uh, every morning I write a gratitude journal. It's called the five minute journal.com. I recommend it to you and to anybody else. It's a, it's a big thick journal. And, and I write just five minutes of um, what I appreciate, um, three things I want to go well in the day, who I am, you know, that identity, you know, just affirming who I am. And then at the end of the day, I talk about what did work well and what would have made it even better. And I find that's very good for my mental health. And I've done it religiously during this time. And, and just being at home with my wife and having four children with their partners and they're all, you know, happily doing their own thing. And we're about to become grandparents. Um, and we've got, <laughs> we've got this puppy, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all great. To, but I, I think you're right. Gratitude is a big thing. And I had a cancer scare a while ago. So I also practice that mix between I had was I was vegan for about a year, but I, I don't want to be vegan all the time. Um, but I, I read that excellent book, Food Fix, mm -hmm. and things like Cowspiracy. And uh, mm -hmm. of course, you come to realize with Food Fix, that is actually the big, um, big, big food and the big productive animal farms that are causing more damage to the environment than cars, planes, and trains. But yet surprisingly, Greenpeace aren't going for the big farms and mm -hmm. the, 
that the the offal and the waste that they have washing into the sea, destroying all the seabed, and the and the the pesticides that Monsanto and others are producing. And people are avoiding that one, but but it's important. So I don't know. Interesting one for you, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so you got me enthused there because we, we I think have quite a lot there in common. Let's talk about IQ next. The 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 wisdom, the judgment, the decision making. Um, who helps advising you and in your decision making? You know, over the years, have you used coaches and mentors? Who have you found helpful to you? Well, um, I have found uh, very good uh, friends, or before that, it were bosses who became friends who have been mentoring me in the in the last years. I have also used coaches, and I must say. Um, there is a difference between bosses who mentor you and coaches who mentor you. I'm grateful and thankful that I had both, but I think what somebody can achieve with a coach is a totally different level that you can achieve by doing it yourself or reading books. Obviously, there is a lot of material out there, but nothing what I've experienced I could have achieved on my own or by reading a book or looking at TEDx or YouTube. So yeah. coaches are really important, coaches and mentors, yes. And how did you get onto TEDx? Tell me. And what was the topic you spoke about? Because I will watch it. I will go and watch it. Well, I spoke about sustainable investing. I shared about the story of women in sustainable finance. And I wanted to spread the word, uh, the word that um, we are out there and we are building a community of individuals, um, men and women. Obviously, yes, we started with women in sustainable finance women because um, there are so little women in management positions within the finance industry, but we are obviously gender neutral and welcoming men and we have a lot of male members. So it's a, more about a community and the idea of contributing sustainably to the world wherever you are from a professional perspective and, and sharing that thought and connecting with each other and supporting and leveraging networks and collaborating. Brilliant. Which takes me on nicely to emotional intelligence, EQ, which, of course, you being trained as a coach, you know, you're learning the skills. And also as the CEO of the Paracelsus Recovery Clinic, you're you're looking at ways of listening well, building rapport, understanding people, putting yourself in their shoes, using your emotions intelligent to understand yourself, manage yourself, to understand others, manage them and to read the environment that you're in. So, so how have you built those skills and, and what did you learn from becoming a coach yourself? So I have learned uh, very early to listen to others from my mother. Uh, as I said at the beginning, she's a very, she's not a taker, she's a giver. She's, uh, she has a big heart for humanity and uh, I've learned the compassion and the love and the listening skills from her. Um, but obviously during my training as a coach and also as CEO of Paracelsus Recovery, there are individuals coming to us who, who obviously back home in their career and in their positions have a lot of people reporting to them and they listen to them. But it's a, they hear them, but they don't really listen. And when people arrive in our clinic, we don't only listen, but we hear and we feel with them, we acknowledge their feelings and we actively listen. So um, there are different kinds of listening techniques, right? And um, the clients that come with us give us the feedback that this is the first time in months or years that somebody really listened and cared and pro proactively listened. So 
really engaged in a conversation. And often in these kind of moments, a lot of people have a breakdown and start crying, but it's beautiful also to see that finally they feel listened to and they open up. Mm. It's very special. It's to be, to be listened and seen mm-hmm. and heard and, and understood as who they are, not who others want them to be or think mm-hmm. they should be. That's really magical. And, and I would, I would, really take my hat off to what you and the team of people achieve with with those leaders and then it really follows on quite naturally from people's using their emotions intelligently to how do they have rq resilience quotient uh, against adversity setbacks disappointments Uh, how have you picked yourself up in times of adversity when you've fallen off your bike on the triathlon or scraped your knee running or whatever it might be. And, and, and what gives you the resilience to get through things like that and all the challenges you've had when dealing with difficult male colleagues in, or the banksters, as I call them, on the gangsters in the, uh, in the banking world. How have you picked yourself up and dusted yourself off and learned from it? So I can um, confirm to you every time uh, in each triathlon, I got hit in my face during swimming by the foot of my next, my, the swimmer next to me. Um, and I was knocked out a little bit and a bit, bit dizzy. So um, there is no, no chance. You have to continue to swim. Uh, the triathlon has trained me and really gifted me with this skill that it's normal to also on the way to get to a weak point, but you have to put, pick yourself up. Um, as you said, you have to swim, you have to bike and you have to run. Um, and it's not that you are only specialized in one discipline, but you have to be more or less good at all threes. So um, this makes you a much more agile and flexible person. In my case, due to the triathlon. And um, in situations where people said to me, um, no, it's impossible, you cannot do it. Uh, there is a proverb in German, I try to translate it. It goes like, everybody said it's impossible, then one person came and just did it. I'm sure there is an English translation to that. Tell me in, in German, because the only reason I, I asked you this is for my brief time, I, sp- I served in Germany. Uh-huh. And my basic German was as simple as this, like little questions I had to ask, like, Entschuldigen Sie bitte, kann ich mein Panzerkettenfahrzeug hier gebleiben? It's quite useful to ask if you could park your tank on their front lawn or oh. in their barn. And um, so uh, tell me, tell me the, um, the, the quote in German. Okay, the quote in German goes like that. Alle haben gesagt, es geht nicht. Und dann kam einer und hat es einfach gemacht. Fantastic. Well, I'd love that one. I, I need to write that down. <laughs> send, send me the quote and I'll... I'll I will, I will. I'll keep it on my mantelpiece. Marvellous. And then the last two areas really are brand, BQ, brand quotient, and then legacy. So on brand, reputation, image, and impact, there you are dealing with some of the most famous people in the world who've got for various reasons into quite a difficult place and you help them get back on their feet and find themselves and who they are. Life's not about finding yourself. It's about discovering yourself really, isn't it? It's about finding out who you, discovering who you really are. 
And um, when you've had um, any kind of feedback on your brand, your, what people say about you when you're not in the room, by way of 360 or feedback from people, um, what have you learned from that feedback and, and what I call feedback about what you've done, but also if you tell them the areas you're working on, they can give you feed forward suggestions to mm -hmm. help you in other people's eyes, be better at what you do. What have you learned from that process? Feedback, feed forward, 360, mm -hmm. anything like that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I've, I've done a lot of uh, feedbacks, feed forwards, um, and I think they're really valuable, they're good. But in the end, you have to be honest and truthful to yourself. You have to stay in your shoes. You can get feedback and maybe someone says, hmm, you should wear black cardigans and not white cardigans. Um, another person might say you should wear blue cardigans. In the end, you have to feel comfortable with yourself. And while what I've learned over years, I've taken in the beginning the feedback uh, verbally and very close to my heart. And then uh, I found myself, I cannot identify with what those people are expecting from me. So one is obviously constructive feedback where you can improve, but in the end, you have to stay truth to yourself and you have to stay within your shoes and stay who you are. Well, you might say then, well, maybe there is a narcissistic leader and he thinks he's amazing, but in fact, he is not. And there are some politicians who are like that as an example. Yes, there's a few. Um, but those are immune to feedback anyway. I'm speaking about people who are reflective and who can also um, differentiate between feedbacks. So I think regardless what the feedback is, is listen to it, try to understand it, and then choose yourself what makes sense for yourself. That's, that's great advice, Marta. And um, someone told me once, it's a bit like having the analogy of a, a basketball that gets thrown at you. And, and if you don't, if you keep your arms out here and it hits you in the belly, it'll wind you and, and you'll be effective. It's almost like you take it and catch the feedback and go, thank you. And you look at it and discover it and think about it and decide whether you're going to hold it into yourself or whether you're going to bounce it and put it in the basket and not accept it. So you don't have to catch, catch every ball. And I amazing think example, amazing example. That, that's uh, so true for me. And there you are, you're someone with a mother who uh, was like, um, you know, uh, such a kind person and doing so much for others. And Lee, my wife with her charity, helping so many people. Mm -hmm. it, the danger is that you take too many balls. You catch every ball that's thrown. You don't have to catch it. You can say, my heart says I would love to do that, but my head says I must look after my own health and well-being, or I've got another client I'm with or whatever, and I'm afraid it's not for me, but I can recommend somebody else. So I won't desert you, but it's, it's not going to be me. And I think having that respect for boundaries, what you will and what you won't do, back to MQ, mm -hmm. is really important. And I do love that one about being, being comfortable with yourself. And I think it was Marcus Aurelius, the Stoic, who said, if you worry what people think about you, mm. you'd be surprised how little they do. They're not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. They're all so self-absorbed that as long as you have a good matter of integrity and you have your humility, your humor and your, uh, your humanity, I think you'll just get through fine. So finally, 
legacy. It's a nice one to end on. LQ, the last part of the Inspiring Leadership Compass. Um, what would you like your legacy to be in your work and in your personal life, Marta? Um, legacy is for me something that I do not proactively think about. Why? Because I'm trying to live in the moment. I try to be here and now in the present. Mm. Because in the past, I was whining about the past and thinking too much about the future, forgetting to live in the now. So my perfect legacy would be if I could say I lived in the present moment and I enjoyed every day and I did the best as I can and I was the best version of myself every day. Um, this would be a nice legacy. This would be a nice legacy. I don't um, have material or um, aspirations or I, that I can tell, okay, I want to do this and that. For me, it's important to live on this planet as a good human being and contribute positively. This is as concrete as I can tell you it to be. And I'm living it right now with my job at Paracelsus Recovery. Yeah, well, I, I think that's a lovely way to end, uh, Marta. And it's it's been a great, Dr. Marta, it's been a great honor to have you on the Inspiring Leadership Series. Uh, I wish you every success as CEO of the Paracelsus Recovery Clinic. I think what you're doing there for people who are able to have a positive influence on others when they come out better themselves. Um, it's like a positive virus, unlike the virus we've got at the moment. This is a positive virus that you're spreading in the work that you do, but also in all the other things you've done over your life. And, and thank you. Lee was right to recommend you for the series and um, we've all really enjoyed it. So stay on the line when we end, but thank you for being with us. Thank you very much, Jonathan. It was such an honor to be on the show today. So now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that I've interviewed, what are you going to do next? If you want to get some more free material, go to my website, jonathanperks.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bowman Perks. And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, Get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch. Or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.